Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good to see everyone. You finished all your leftover turkey, making all kind of interesting foods with it. Like last night or yesterday, Karen goes, well, we have some new soup here. I said, oh, how awesome and original. It's leftover turkey. And, uh, but you know what? It was pretty good. It gets better with age, I'm finding out, the more it sits around. It's good to see you. <laughs> Good to see everyone uh, this morning. Welcome. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've been in a little series for a couple of weeks here I'm calling Thanks Living, and that is learning to live a grateful life. We just came through Thanksgiving. We're headed toward Christmas and a new year, and boy, what better way to uh, position ourselves than to, than to check do kind of an inventory and ask ourselves, are we grateful people? Are we thankful people? Do we have anything to be thankful for? And so we've been taking a look at that. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've got these little post-its that are on your seats. You're going to use these in just a little bit. Uh, as you can see around the room, they're on the front. They're over on the cross. They're at some of the communion stations. Uh, last week, what we did at the end of the service was, if you have anything to be thankful for, Pick one thing, and I, and I kind of just through the week came in here for some prayer and just read through some of these. It was really beautiful. Some of you could not contain yourselves, and you had more than one thing. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And today we're going to do something very similar as we close this out with these little post-its. So you will need these. Take them and maybe just attach them to your fill-in. You also have that in your handout. There's a little, you have a pen, and there are maybe five spaces there to help you track along with me. Last week, we learned that being a grateful people, being a thankful people was just good for us, that people who have a thankful uh, attitude toward life are like 25% healthier than those who aren't grateful and aren't thankful. They're healthier, they are more social, they like to be around people a little more than those who are ungrateful, Uh, and you know what? People want to be around you if you're a more thankful person and grateful, so it may have something to do with it. There is like 50% less depression in people who are thankful people, grateful people. And uh, I made the, the comment that I, I'm not so sure Prozac even has that, uh, you know, <laughs> that ratio of increase. So developing a thankful heart, a grateful attitude is, uh, is just good for us. But it's not always that easy. One doctor did a survey over a number of years, and he came out of this survey saying that he can watch a couple that comes into his office uh, for marriage counseling. He can watch them and within three minutes tell whether they're going to make it or not because of how much gratefulness and thankfulness is expressed to their mate or their future mate. It takes five positive, thankful things to combat one negative one. Isn't that amazing? 
that for all the good things you can do, you can do like five, four good things, and then one little negative word can dismantle every bit of that. Then you got to start over again. But it also shows the power of thankfulness in our life and gratefulness, that things can change in our relationships with people, can become much more solid, and, and we can hang in there with each other if we become grateful, thankful, and learn to have a thanks-living life. Our text this morning is over in Philippians, the fourth chapter of the New Testament, over near the back end of the book. And uh, Philippians 4, in verse 4 through 9, uh, 4 through 9, and uh, we're going to read this and uh, pray, and we'll jump into it. So let's go. Philippians 4, verse 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Lord, we ask you bless your word this morning. Jesus, I thank you that we are not left to our own devices here, even talking about uh, the results of living a grateful life, a thankful life. You, through Jesus... Father, you through Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit can come to our lives and empower us and enable us in such a way that we can indeed live a thankful and grateful life. And this morning, Lord, I just ask for you to come and do that in us. I ask for your help. God, I need it. Um, I ask for the gift of teaching that you said that you give your church when they need it and that in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, he would come and teach us all things. I need that this morning. I need you to work through me, Lord, in my weakness. And uh, so I invite you to come. Give us that gift. Give us the gift of wisdom, of discernment, of knowledge, Lord, so that we can apply these things, these truths to our lives, and we can indeed be changed. We can become a grateful people, even more grateful than we are now. And so, Lord, help us. We invite your presence, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, amen. I don't know about you, but when somebody walks up to me if I'm having a really difficult time and looks at me and says, rejoice. You ever had people, you know people like that? Slappy, happy people kind of come around you. Like you're not having the best day in the world and you just want to be able to vent on somebody and dump, right? I mean, we do, right? We do. And we need those times when we can really dump it out. But then someone comes along And right in the middle of your personal pity party, your personal dumping time, you just go, they go, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And you go, (laughs) ah. And then you start thinking, who does this man, this woman, this person think they are to tell me to rejoice? Do they know what I'm going through? Do they know what I've been through? Do they have any idea where I am in my life right now? How arrogant of that person to even say that. And reading this scripture, it would be easy to to even 
say, oh, this is just one of those religious churchy things where we pretend things are fine so that God looks good. Yeah, we just want to put a good positive face on God. So that's what this that's what the church does. Rejoice, rejoice, and all you know, whatever's going on, rejoice, rejoice. And it would be easy to say that in just reading this. But this guy that wrote this, let me tell you a little about him. This guy, Paul. First of all, he's writing a letter to his favorite church. The Philippian church was so dear to his Heart. He loved all the churches, but the Philippian church was very special to him. This church started with him sharing Christ to a group of actually business women. Uh, a woman named Lydia, he came and shared Christ with her. She came to Christ and she financed this church that was in Philippi. She probably hosted it in her house because her house was probably the biggest house in the area and the homes weren't that big then. And so she would host the church in her home. Uh, and that church financed Paul's journeys. Uh, they were always seemingly positive to him and supportive of him. And so he really loved this church. And I mentioned last week, one of the things we can do is we can write letters to those people that we appreciate. Any of you guys done that? I, I had two people tell me this past week that they had indeed done that. They had you know, sat down and written a letter to someone who meant really something to them. And it will bless that person, but you will be surprised what it does to you as you begin to write out your thank, you know, your gratefulness, and you begin to try to describe what that person has meant to you. And that's kind of like what Paul is, is doing here. He's very grateful for this church, and so he's writing a thank you letter to them. And he's also giving them instruction, saying, hey, be cognizant of this. But this guy, Paul, is not just sitting, sitting here thanking this church he loves. This is the same Paul who wrote 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 29. And let me just read this to you. Thinking people, slappy, happy people that come up and just want to tell you to change your attitude. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 29. This is written to another church, the church in Corinth. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. What does that mean? Five times he could have been killed. If he'd gotten 40 lashes, that's a death penalty. So five times he got 49 lashes. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face, the daily, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? This is the guy that is writing Philippians 4. You think he might have a little gravitas, a little weight behind what he's saying at this time? I mean, can you imagine saying to Paul, who do you think you are to tell me to rejoice? Well, let's see. I've been flogged uh, five times, 48 lashes, uh, 
then you kind of back off. You, you never know what a person's been through, do you, that comes up to you? We all have a story. Every one of us have stories in here. And yet, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is really the normal godly life in a way. I mean, if we go back through the scripture, you know, this, this Bible, unless you've read it, you probably don't know this, but this is a very plain speaking book. It doesn't hide pain. It doesn't hide suffering. It doesn't hide mystery. It doesn't, it's not like that. There is a lot of loss, a lot of pain, a lot of hardship in this book. But in the midst of this, it seems that God supplies his people with this amazing ability to be grateful and thankful, even in the midst of lots of loss and pain. Over in uh, Lamentations, I mean, even the title of the book, Lamentations, that means a book of laments. And if you read it, I mean, I dare you to read this book. Of course, make sure you have the Prozac ready whenever you do read it. But uh, Lamentations, like, I mean, it's, it's just filled with laments. I mean, they're wondering, where is God? What, what is going on? Why hasn't God shown up? You ever felt like that? Where is the Lord? I've done what I know to do, but it's just, it doesn't seem to be working out. But even in the midst of these laments, we read uh, this in uh, Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. Yet, man, I love when I read yet. You're running through this litany of problems and situations, and then suddenly you'll see but or yet, which means listen real carefully because here comes something really good. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. In the middle of all of this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. In the middle of all of these laments, the people of God have a resource available to them that maybe others don't have. We have an opportunity to have a thanks-living life. And this is, this is pretty sad in Lamentations. Not only that, but there's a, there's a prophet in the Old Testament, a guy named Habakkuk. We don't know a whole lot about Habakkuk. We just know that it was a very tough time when, uh, when Habakkuk was coming around and that Habakkuk would throw his complaint out to God and basically do like you and I have done. Like, where are you, God? Where are you? Why haven't you intervened in my life yet? My life is not going well. Why aren't you here? And then God would answer. It's almost like a play, like one, one person enters the stage and and talks, and then God enters the stage and talks back. And much of the Old Testament is written like that. It's really beautiful, uh, quite beautiful to read when you look at it that way. And so this exchange is going on between God and Habakkuk. And right in the middle of, of Habakkuk, you know, pouring out his angst and talking about the violence, the immorality that's in Judah at that time, the idolaters, and another great sin that had hit, in Israel, hit Israel at that time in Judah is they didn't care about the poor, they had turned their back on the poor. And when you turn your back on the poor, you turn your back on God. God takes that very seriously when his people walk away from the poor and don't have concern and compassion for the poor. 
And so God is bringing judgment. He's going to bring it. It's coming. And, uh, but in the midst of all of that, in Habakkuk 3, 18 through 19, we read this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And then he says that what he just said is for the director of music. It's for the worship leader on stringed instruments, on guitars. You know, here, here's a song. Go write a worship song about it, worship leader, and bring it to God's people. You've got five fill-ins in your handout there that will help us track along. And your first one is simply this, cultivating an attitude of gratitude, developing this thanks living. We must realize that it begins with this. It is our choice. It's our choice. We make a choice to live like this. Paul, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, none of them were in perfect situations, and yet they made a choice to not be held hostage by the situation and by the circumstances. You still have a choice when it comes to your attitude. You may not have a choice about many of the things that have entered your life, the pain, the loss, the challenges, the mystery of it all. You may not have any choice about much of that, but one thing you still do indeed control, and that is your attitude toward it and your response to it, how you respond to it. We have freedom of choice, and no one can really take that away from us. I can't make you have that. I can't rob you of it. You can own it and you can begin to make the choice to become a grateful person, to become a thankful person. Well, when I was researching this, I came upon this story. Some of you will remember this name. Many of you won't. A guy named Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig was a very famous baseball player, New York Yankees. Uh, 17 seasons. Uh, he lived back in the 40s, 1940s. Uh, he set several major league records, including the most career grand slams, which I think A-Rod just tied back this past year, and then the most consecutive games played, like 2,130 games in a row played. And, of course, Cal Ripken Jr. beat him finally. But Gehrig is remembered mostly for his durability, but I'd say also for his attitude uh, because he developed a serious disease, ALS, And in facing that disease, his approach, his attitude, and how he handled it was probably just as much a testimony to the world as his baseball playing. Watch this. The news of Gehrig's illness stunned the country. And on July 4th, a huge, sad crowd packed Yankee Stadium to pay tribute to their beloved hero. Babe Ruth came back, and the two old teammates ended their long feud. Manager Joe McCarthy presented him with a trophy. At first, Gehrig was too moved to speak.
For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad brag. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. died two years later of what is now called Lou Gehrig's disease. If you could understand uh, the Yankee accent there, I might have been given a bad brack, break. <laughs> it didn't stop Lou Gehrig from having that attitude, that gratefulness, that thankfulness in his heart. He still... Could you turn the lights on, buddy? By the way, I like seeing the people. There you go. Thanks. I'm like, oh. We had a member of our church. Actually, he was a dear friend for 30 years. We were a part of three different churches. He helped us start this church. A guy named Joe that was that developed ALS a few. Well, actually, been in his life for a long time, and it just was suddenly diagnosed, and he died last year. And well, it's Friday evening, his wife called and said, would you come over to the house? Joe's not doing good. And we went over and we sat by Joe. And I have to tell you, he didn't let, he didn't let it get to him either. We sat there and we laughed and we cried and we reminisced about the 30 years of following Jesus together, of the fun times, the hard times, the tough times. And then I looked at him and I told him, I said, I'll see you soon, Joe. And the next morning he died. He didn't let it stop him. Your attitude doesn't need to be held hostage by your circumstances, friends. And that is especially true for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Because all there is to life is not just here. This is the beginning of it, of eternal life. But it goes on and it's on and on. We make the choice. We choose to have a thanks-living life, to live a grateful life. Paul, when he was writing this passage in Philippians 4, was chained to a Roman soldier. Now, let me ask you this. He's in prison when he wrote the text today to us about rejoice, rejoice. He's in prison, chained to a Roman soldier who is watching every moment of his life. But let me ask you this. Who's the real captive there? <laughs> Who was really captive, Paul or the soldier? Because that soldier had to listen to Paul write these letters. <clears throat> he had to listen to him worship because we knew he sang songs and spiritual songs and hymns. And we know he shared Christ with him. And we know that the church in Philippi actually was made up of Roman soldiers and slaves and wealthy businesswomen. It was a, a diverse group of people. Who was the real captive there with Paul? It wasn't Paul, it was the soldier. It was truly captive. It's our choice to live a thankful life or not. And thanks living also involves this, your second fill-in. It involves our emotions. It involves our emotions because our emotions can hijack everything, every bit of their thanksgiving in our life. It can overwhelm us, darken moments. It can just put a haze over your life 
at times as you let the emotions of the moment take your life. You're, you're, maybe you get happy, you're thankful for something, and then all of a sudden this sorrow and this depression and this sense of I don't know what I'm going to do suddenly overwhelms your life and the emotions, again, to use a term, takes you hostage. And you don't remember the things that you're thankful for, the things that God has indeed done for you. It can be a battle at times. And I think reading the scriptures, even those scriptures we've already read from Habakkuk and out of Lamentations and here in Philippians, is that it's a choice that we make even with our emotions. When we go back into worship in just a few minutes, in just a bit, some of you in this room are going to sense God's presence. I just want to tell you that. You are going to sense it. We can feel God's presence at times. We know when our hearts suddenly become engaged with the presence of God. And you have a choice then with your emotions. Are you going to release that to God and worship Him with your tears, worship Him with your smiles, with your laughter, with your happiness? Or are you going to, you know, you're going to let the negative part of that, the negative emotions of life, gobble you up and not allow you to give God the praise that He wants? We can let the emotions do either side, either one to us. Listen to Psalms 95, 1 through 7. Come, let us sing for joy. He could have said just sing. Come, let us sing. No, sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud. That's kind of redundant, don't you think? Shouting is loud, isn't it? I mean, how do you shout quietly? That's what some of us do, you know, in worship. Is I'm going to shout, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm really getting free now. Praise. Everybody has to start somewhere, you know, and it's like, what are these people raising their hands for? I don't get it. Uh, nobody can see it. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's okay. It's a good start. It's all right. Praise the Lord. But then as you begin to sense that God is indeed as good as he says he is and you feel his presence, something begins to liberate in your soul. And you emote to God, you're free to tell God, Lord, you're worthy of the praise. God loves the tears, he loves the laughter, he loves the joy. He even loves for you to tell him of your sorrow and your challenges. But we emote and we give it to God. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. All of this is it's a body experience. Worship is a body experience. Being a Christian involves our body. We take these things and we use them for God's glory, and they're instruments of praise and worship. And we take them and we use them, and we don't let them use us. We use them to praise God with. The sea is his, where he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Wow, how beautiful. How beautiful. And how do we do that? How do we not let our emotions rule us or the negative parts of our life rob us of being a thankful, grateful people? Well, it begins with, and this is your third fill, in our thoughts, the way we think about God, what we allow to linger in our minds, our thoughts, our thinking. 2 Corinthians 10.5 gives us some instruction 
in how to do this. And this is the same author of the book of Philippians, same guy, who says, we demolish, we dismantle arguments and every pretension, I like that word, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, you're under arrest, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we arrest anything that wants to rob us of living a thanks-living life, anything that wants to take from us gratefulness. And again, it's not some slappy, happy, make-believe, pie-in-the-sky stuff because we know through the Scripture, just like Lamentations, just like Habakkuk, just like what Paul was going through, there are indeed very tough situations in life that we have to walk through, that we have no choice about, that suddenly are thrown on us, and we're in the midst of it. But that doesn't have to rob us of our gratefulness, of being a thankful people to God. Matter of fact, it can liberate us to truly be thankful and grateful at times. Look at our text uh, down in verse 8, Philippians 4. In verse 8, here's how we take captive every thought. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Is there anybody in here that your thought processes sometimes are like, you ever seen these little train sets that go around in circles? My granddaughter's got one, and she'll, you know, we'll put it on, and it, little smoke comes out of it, and it stops at the station, and you put things on it. But it doesn't go anywhere. It just goes around and around. Yeah. I want to tell you, my mind can be like that. I can get these almost obsessive thoughts, and I've had this in my life before, where it's a train that goes, and it never comes into the station. You want to stop it, but you can't stop it. And so once something happens to you, traumatic, or somebody hurts you, or some situation comes along, some loss, and your body begins to respond in some ways to that, and your mind starts, you lay down at night, and all you do is revisit it, and you go by the station, by the station, by the station, and you feel like you are going crazy. And you just say, man, will someone come along and throw the switch so this train can get off of this track and come into the station at some point? Anybody in here? Am I? He's weird. But, uh, I mean, I've been through this. I've been through this in a very serious way 15, 20 years ago. But you know something that I am still incorporating this into my life, but even last night I got to practice this because I had the sermon on my mind and I'm sitting there and I'm running through it, you know, and I'm laying down and I'm thinking, if you don't quit running through it, you're going to be doing this at 3 in the morning. You need to rest. And so what I did is what many of you did last week with these post-its. I got a list of people and I laid there in bed and I began to take captive the thoughts that were trying to drive that train around and around and I said, Thank you for, and I named the person, and I began to name why they blessed me and why they are such, have been such a joy in my life. And then I went to the next one. I got to number four, and I fell asleep. <laughs> take it captive. Take those thoughts captive. And one of the ways we take them captive is that we circumvent the whole process by being thankful, being grateful, 
So you look for things to be grateful, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And we think on these things. And of course, that also involves your next feeling, number four, our words, how we talk. You can identify a thankful person by just listening to them, right? If you've been with someone, you ever been with people where you get tired within about three minutes? Many times it's people who aren't grateful. You just hear complaining and, you know, I won't say what we call it down south, but it's something and moaning and groaning. And, uh, it, it, and you know, it just gets to the point where you just go, wow, I'm tired, you know, I'm kind of depressed. I was real happy when I got, I don't, I don't know. It's the words. And I told you guys last week what my wife helps me with when I get like that. When I get like that, you'll just look at me and go, well, I wish we just had something to be thankful for. <laughs> and I'm, you know, okay, Lord, I hear it, you know. Psalms 19:14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth, what I say. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, that for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What are you full of? I mean, if somebody was to say, he's really full of what? (laughs) If you listen to someone talk long enough, you'll know what they're full of, right? And if you can listen to yourself, actually, long enough, you'll find out what you're full of. And once we hear it, then it's a good time to start circumventing that, to say, what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? Let me say these words. Let me say the words of gratefulness. I want my own ears to hear me thank God for the good things that he's done. Surely there's one thing. If you need to borrow one, come up here and look at some of these. Surely you're here today. You're sitting in this room at this moment at an opportunity to hear about Christ's provision for your life. Boy, that's something to be thankful for. Our words. And lastly, our prayers. If we're going to develop this thanks living in our life, our prayer life has to be renovated as well. Paul doesn't say in our text in Philippians 4, he doesn't say not to pray, not to pour out your laments. He doesn't say not to even complain. But what he does say is with thanksgiving, right? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. In your prayers, it's, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you shouldn't say I to the Lord because most of our prayers are about us, right? We're our favorite subject in prayer, aren't we? But we're probably the one that needs the prayer, so it's okay. But I won't, I need, what am I going to do? That's, that's good, that's fine. But listen to yourself and see if you hear any thankfulness to God for what he has done in your life or what he is doing now. That changes the whole tone. No, it won't maybe change your circumstance. No, Paul was still shackled to a soldier. And you know what happened to him from this book? He was killed. He lost his head. 
If you read through Philippians, four chapters, you know, what you see is he goes back and forth. He says, I hope I'm going to be able to come to you, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. I may not make it, but I think I will make it, but I'm not sure I will. It's back and forth. In other words, his circumstances were very tenuous. And sure enough, it cost him his life, but it didn't, they did not take his attitude. They did not take the gratefulness that was in his heart for what Christ had done in his heart and had done in the churches that he planted and the people that he tried to let know about Jesus and his amazing grace and his love for them. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's what we're going to do this morning. Last week, we presented our thanksgiving to God. This morning, those post-its that you have, what is your request to God this morning? What is first and foremost in your heart that you would say, Lord, I want you to do this for me. I am bringing my request to you, but I also bringing my gratefulness and my thankfulness to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear my petition. Thank you, Lord, that you hear me. As the band comes back up, I want you to take that post-it, begin to write that down, and as we go back into worship here for a bit of time, I would ask of you again, just like we did last Sunday, as an expression of worship and also supplication and petition to God in your prayers, you can come up to the front and turn this into an altar. If you want to kneel for a moment and make prayer, make intercession for this at that time, you can come up, lay it down, pray over that particular need. You can, I don't know how much room's left on the cross back there unless you're seven foot eight or something. And, uh, You can put it there. You can put it around the communion table on the wall back here. Find a place. Make a move to say, Lord, this is is my prayer. I am bringing my petition to you, but with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul, who despite circumstances that were horrendous in any any culture, at any time in history, Lord, he still chose to give thanks to you, to be grateful to you, and to place himself in your hands with much appreciation. Lord, we here at the Vineyard right now, we want to do the same thing. We want to bring our requests and make them known to you, but we want to bring them with thanksgiving that we thank you that you're a merciful God, a faithful God in whom indeed we are the sheep of your pasture. We're the people, Lord, that are in the palm of your hand. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com. 